Welcome to the Dealmakers Coffee Break, where we talk to industry pros about their success stories, deals, and market insights in just enough time for you to enjoy a cup of coffee. So grab your mug and join us for a chat with the people behind the deals. I'm Asaf Raz. Let's go. So welcome to another episode of the Dealmakers Coffee Break Edition. This season has been crazy. We've had over 20 episodes already uh, with some amazing guests. And today I have a guest that I've been, honestly, I've been wanting to, to, to talk to him for a long time. And I've been trying to communicate and eventually we made it, we made it, we found a time to do this episode. This is Michael Salafia. He's a, in the National Retail and Net Lease Investments. And today he's the managing partner of Stacks Equity. But this guy has such a long list, such a such a great vast history in real estate. So I I, I don't want to take away from uh, from your moment. So Michael, please take it away. Tell us about yourself, your history, what brought you into real estate, and we can take it from there. Hey Asaf, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on the show. So again, I'm as Asaf mentioned, I'm Michael Salafia. I'm the uh, managing partner and founder of Stacks Equity. And inside of Stacks Equity, we are a commercial uh, real estate investment company. Our core thing that we do, we're a, we have a uh, sale leaseback platform for mm-hmm. single tenant net leased assets. So that's really our, our speciality. And inside of Stacks, we have an entire ecosystem ranging from Stacks Ventures, which is our private equity fund. Stacks Equity is our property company that we use for investments and syndication. And we have Stacks Real Estate, which is our brokerage arm, which we use for investment sales and some development work. All of these pieces all move together, right, to to create what we do at Stacks. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, so what brought you into this whole investment space and specifically real estate? You've done all types of investments. So, what specifically draw you into real estate? You know, I was kind of born into commercial real estate. My family had been commercial real estate owner operators for over a hundred years. For myself, I was even. When I was first growing up and I was a baby, my parents and I lived in an apartment above in a mixed use building, right? So we had our retail stores on the first floor and our apartments above that. And we had many uh, apartment buildings and, and retail buildings primarily. When I was graduating college and entering into the workforce, it was in the midst of a financial collapse. iPhones had just come out. So I had pivoted into tech because I was always very like tech and design oriented. And I went on a long run there. And that's where I started developing my track record as a serial entrepreneur. I've done yeah. several startup companies, everything from series A, series B round to exit tech companies. And I've got to spend a big chunk of my time living in New York City and doing a lot of consulting work for large firms. And that's how I started cutting my teeth in the net lease investment space. It was really working for REITs, and notably, I worked for uh, Moody's Analytics CRE for their analytics platform, and I got to work directly with their chief economist. So I truly got a very holistic approach to the industry from the economic perspective, to the bank's perspective, to the LPs, to the GPs, all the way down to the brokers. And after a while, I had moved to Miami Beach. And I saw that commercial real estate was huge and started doing some networking uh, there. And it was a great place for entering kind of into the commercial real estate investment space. And it was a great time and transition. 
So I wanted to leverage all of my technology skills and deploy them in the commercial real estate market space to disrupt, to make a difference, to make mm-hmm. profits. So that's what I did. I started off by joining Marcus and Millichap and became an investment sales broker. And after going on a great run there and really learning all the ins and outs of the uh, transactional side of the business, that's when I left to launch my own firm, Stacks Equity, as well as Stacks Real Estate and Stacks Ventures. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're really like born into it. I love those those born into it entrepreneurs that are just just have it in their skill set since they're kids. I feel like if you have it, you just have it, right? It's in your blood. It's pretty awesome. Right. And I, I tried to get away and it just drew me back in, right? But as a result, that's how I got the extra skill set. So it is that technology skill set that really sets stacks apart from competition. We have our own uh, AI program, right? And it's powered by a machine learning algorithm that helps us analyze and underwrite thousands of properties at scale. So we can move faster and, and process a lot more data than a typical underwriting team or a group of brokers or a analyst committee at an institutional REIT or something like that. You talked about a single tenant that leases properties, right? Which is what you're focused on today. Can you introduce us to this type of investment vehicle and how it works? Yes. So for those who are not familiar, net the net lease space is a little bit different than typical real estate or typical commercial real estate investments. It actually falls under the category of alternative credit or alt credit, right? The key difference here is with single tenant net leased properties, they are developed into a a bond-like structure for the landlord. So in simple terms, you have a property, say it's a Wendy's fast food restaurant, right? I'll construct the building and then I'll bring in Wendy's and have them sign a 15-year triple net lease. The landlord will Mm -hmm. come in and buy the property and they're buying the property not just based on the cost of the building or the value of the dirt, they're buying it on the net present value of the 15-year lease payments that are guaranteed Mm -hmm. by that tenant, right? And for these lease payments, the key distinguishing factor is that there are no landlord responsibilities in a triple net lease, in an absolute triple net lease. And there's many variations and exceptions, but in general, the idea is you're the investor and the landlord, you buy the property, and now for the next 15, 20 years, however much lease term you have remaining, you're getting a direct deposit every single month, right? Mm-hmm. So when you, I'll challenge you all listening to this episode as you're driving around today, take a look, look at that drugstore on the corner, that fast food restaurant, the gas station, the tire change or oil shop, uh, even even if you drive by a Dollar General or a freestanding grocery store, most of those properties are considered single tenant net leased assets. Most of those properties are not owned by the corporation, right? Like the CDS or the Walgreens that have their sign on the building. Most of them are actually owned by institutional investment funds, primarily real estate investment trusts. Um, or other mm-hmm. private equity groups. Mm-hmm. And then many are owned by individual investors themselves and, and families. That's a pretty cool approach. So like you're securing or you're guaranteeing the income for many years to come, right? Which is probably also calculated in your underwriting and the performance of the asset right before you sell it back to the to the owner. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. And it's a very nice asset class to be in 
especially for families and family offices looking to grow generational wealth. Typically, aside from institutions like, like large investors, capital enters into the net lease marketplace from 1031 tax exchanges. So mm. the most common thing that I'll get is, hey, Michael, my family and I have owned this apartment building in New York for 50 years. We just sold it and we've gained $10 million in, in profits from the sale. So now instead of paying taxes, they can enter into a 1031 exchange and they can defer the capital gains tax burden by purchasing a replacement property. It has to be an income producing property. You have to consult with your CPA or tax professional to get advice on this. But this is it, it's a very nice move because basically they can uh, the, the investor can continue to build wealth without having that tax burden, which then they can pass on to their heirs without tax burden as well. I think that your specific asset class is one of the most unique ones that we've met so far in all of the episodes. And I think the reason is the fact that you're literally securing the income for such a long time, uh, which provides a lot of, I think, um, peace of mind for any investor who decides to put his money into this type of deal to say, hey, I already have a tenant. It's a strong tenant. It's not someone that could disappear tomorrow. And he'd have his Wendy's or his oil shop or the CVS, right? For a very long mm -hmm. time here. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like it. And I'm sure also your investors like it too um, when it comes to back to returns and tax benefits. And it, it truly is about that. You have to consider when you're removing the landlord responsibilities, right? You're ultimately, somebody's paying for that, right? So your rate of return, which in that lease we measure by capitalization rate and we call it the cap rate, your cap rate might be a little bit lower than you would see in an asset or a property where you have landlord responsibilities. So that is something to be considered. The other thing that comes in is the credit profile of the tenant. How strong is that tenant's guarantee? When you have a company like CVS Health or Walgreens guaranteeing you to pay you that lease payment for the next 15 years, well, even if they decide to close the store, they still make the payments on it until the yeah. lease is up. Yeah. If you have a weaker tenant and they go out of business, you know, it might get taken to court. They might stop paying you rent. And that's why maybe that property is being sold for a higher cap rate than, you know, the CBS or the 7-Eleven that has excellent credit and payment history. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come in at Stacks. And I saw this opportunity when I was in investment sales at Marcus and Knowledge Cap. You have a lot of investors. It's hard to figure out who to trust. And when something goes wrong with your net lease property, let's say, the tenant decides to move out early and they're, you know, they're not going to renew their lease. They're going to leave. Or the tenants build the business is struggling because their manager is, I don't know, going through personal issues and it's just not going well. So they want to reduce their rent. That's where stacks come in. We see the opportunity instead of just asking the investor to give us a listing and then we bring it to market like a traditional brokerage. We actually work with them. We create a business plan. We bring in a new tenant. We do construction and completely re-image and uh, renovate the property. And then once we've stabilized it with a, uh, a tenant that has a corporate guarantee and a long-term triple net lease, at that point, we'll repackage it as a, a net lease investment property and we'll bring it to market and, and sell it to uh, you know, another investor or a REIT. 
that that sounds amazing. So so let's talk a bit about your strategy specifically when you look at those properties. Uh, what makes your strategy unique or different than anyone else uh, when it comes to decision making? Right, like where do I buy? Why do I buy? How do I choose my tenants? What, what's unique in what you do? So we've taken over a hundred years of collective experience from all of my market studies and research and mentoring at Marcus and Millichap. We've combined that with all of the best uh, investment principles that are followed by the institutional REITs and their various investment committees. And we've bundled this into one proprietary quant model and then converted that into a machine learning algorithm. So we're looking at, we're aggregating data from multiple sources, right? And we're looking at things with it, it. at a much greater level of detail and in a much more organized way. That enables us to make better investment decisions. This is something, in theory, you could do in pen and paper, but it's going to take you forever. With the way we do it, it's very fast. And now we have many, many data points, even things like mobile foot traffic. We're combining that with store sales reports. We're combining that with with these deep data sets of competitor research and, and, and benchmarks within the marketplace. And then we're going to normal, normal uh, investor and brokerage things like comps and, and tax mm-hmm. records and interest rates. And when we factor mm-hmm. all of that together, that's, that's really what makes the difference. So to get granular, to give you some specific examples, a key factor that we'll look at is the forecasted five-year population growth. And then once we find a positive indicator We'll then get very qualitative and we'll look at what's happening in that area. Are you familiar with the Space Coast of Florida? I SpaceX, NASA, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's a great example. A lot of investors have overlooked that area. Florida is a very hot marketplace. For me, I'm looking at the massive job growth numbers that are happening in that market. And then I'm looking at the residential development and where the new plans for subdivisions are going in where the road zoning is going in and I'm identifying these places on the map. And then once we have it identified, it depends on the strategy that we're working on. But say it's our gas station convenience store redevelopment strategy. Well, then from there, let's look at gas stations that were built, I don't know, after 1998, right? And look at these properties that we could potentially rehabilitate. And then as we're going through those, we have another set of trade secret questions that we could use to qualify or disqualify the property because there's certain things that happened before 1998 that could be bad for the property. It would make it too expensive for us to redevelop. We'll never get there on the deal. But if everything's right, then it's a great opportunity for us to renovate that store and bring in a new tenant and uh, capture all of the of the new potential revenue that's going to transpire because there's more people moving there and the economy's mm-hmm. growing. Economic mm-hmm. growth is a key factor that we look at. Okay, so so and and let's let's look into. Uh, we have two more questions, right? We don't do very long episodes, but I do want to take um, to to pick your brain about the current state of the market and how your strategy kind of shifted throughout this year from last year to this year. When we look at interest rates, at debt, property locations, like has anything changed with what's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, the, for net lease especially, it's been hit very hard because of rising interest rates. So if you look at the difference between net lease cap rates, right? That's the capitalization rate. Effectively, if it's a triple net property, that's your return on investment that you're looking for. 
Now, if you were looking at, let's say, let's just think about 7-Eleven, for example. Everybody knows them. That one's easy. They have great credit. The 7-Eleven properties last year were trading at like a 4.5% cap rate. Now we're in an environment where interest rates are five and a half to seven and a half, eight and a half percent, depending on who the borrower is and who the pro- what the property is. So it's very challenging. You, you can't, why would anybody buy a property at a four and a half percent capitalization rate if you can just buy, a, you know, basically for net lease, anytime the 10 year treasury bond, like whatever that is at, very rarely are you going to get a net lease cap rate go below the 10 year T bill. Right. So we're very, very sensitive to that. It created an opportunity this year, right? Because there's a lot of money on the sidelines. And those groups that were doing the, you know, national, very strong credit or call it investment grade credit deals, those deals are very hard to do right now. And they're almost impossible to finance. You're getting negative leverage. So there was an opportunity to look at new deals that were maybe passed over before but they could generate higher yield. So that's why this year I've done a lot with smaller like regional gas station and convenience store operators, mm-hmm. right? Who still have a strong guarantee, but maybe they're at 500 locations or 150 locations, that kind of size. It's not the same thing as being a publicly traded company that has a, you know, a, a triple B plus or above credit rating. It's, it's a different side of the market. However, with the redevelopment of those deals, we came up with a new program that was that was very lucrative and, and we've done over 100 transactions this year, able to generate about 18% return to our fund by, by doing it that way. So that's that's been very interesting, taking a different approach. But it was all about creating that higher yield asset to meet the market demand. We had to create properties and stable net lease investments where you could actually sell them for a cap rate that's above interest rates. And and that's been very challenging. And it took a lot of research and a ton of analysis to find the properties that actually had the business fundamentals to support this thesis. But they're out there. It's just it, it's hard to find. So as we go through this year, we're hoping that interest rates will calm down a little bit more. And that way we can go back into doing more ground up development for national companies. I could have this conversation with you for an hour. It's super interesting, but it's not a question, but it's a um, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity. I call it the shameless plug. And this is where you can talk about anything from current investment opportunities, share what you're working on today, very shamelessly talk about yourself, about stocks, about the opportunity in the company, what you're looking for. This is your time. Okay, awesome. So key things, if you're watching, if you're a limited partner or you're looking to make a uh, investment into a private equity fund that specializes in commercial real estate, we do still have our uh, round open for Stacks Ventures Fund 1. It's a great opportunity. You can learn more by reaching out to us. The best way to reach me is at stax re.com and hopefully there'll be a uh, link in the bio but to stacks re that's for stacks real estate or stacks equity all part of the same family y'all get to the same uh folks the next opportunity is if you are a tenant if you're an operator of commercial real estate say you're a fast food franchisee if you're a gas station convenience store operator we do have a lot of great opportunities available 
where we offer very attractive uh, funding programs to help you open up new stores and open up more store locations. We've helped our operators and our clients open up over 100 stores so far this year, and we've created hundreds of jobs, and we really bring everything together. If you're a net lease investor looking for a property, I have a Hallmark listing for a uh, trophy asset. It's a Shell gas station convenience store and car wash located in Coconut Creek, Florida, right off of Busy Highway. Fantastic real estate. So yeah, I'd encourage you to look at our our listings and investment opportunity offerings. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for that. And all the information, all the links, everything's going to be in the bio. So they'll know, um, everybody will know exactly where to reach uh, out to you. We'll, we'll uh, see you all or you'll listen to us in the next episode of the DL Makers Coffee Break. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Check out more episodes on the Dealmakers podcast available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and Agora's website at agorareal.com slash podcast. See you in the next episode.